Welcome to Pick Me Up, I'm Scared, the podcast. I'm your host, Madeline. And I'm your co-host, Kenna. Uh, Okay, today, Kenna, I wanted to ask you, what percent of your paycheck do you spend defending your home? (laughs) (laughs) Defending my home? You know, like guns, video cameras, maybe like a small tank, maybe outfitting your sick infinity (laughs) to be more like a small tank. Uh, Grenades? I have made, you know, the other, well, I didn't pay any money for I never pay any money because I just lock my door and that is it. It's free, isn't it? The door lock. I mean, I pay for it in my rent. So I assume that when the super comes over and changes the lock when it doesn't work right, I'm doing something. Yeah. I only recently started using my deadbolt. (laughs) I, I didn't realize that I had a deadbolt for like years. So I would say that maybe it's safe to say like 10 to 20 cents of your monthly rent goes towards defending your home in the form of that sweet, sweet deadbolt tax. (laughs) Basically, I think, yeah, I think every year, every other year, my mom gets me like a mace or like a purse. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Mace for like a stock, like a stocking stuffer. Yeah, I get one of those too a lot. Those are maybe $15, $15 a year, whatever that is, a dollar a month. paying for that. I don't think I've ever... No, I no. don't. I don't have nothing. Huh. So what you're telling me is that you do not currently spend 2% of your monthly income on transportation, 4% on housing, 7% on education, 9% on healthcare, 29% on like bills and then 49% of your income monthly defending your home? You're not doing that? No. No. I probably spend, yeah, I mean, most of my income probably goes to rent. Right, right. Well, you know, that would be the breakdown of the um, 2022 federal budget proposal. <laughs> <laughs> I think I knew that's where you were going with this. <laughs> and just in case you, you work better in numbers uh, rather than percentages, the average American has a take-home pay of $3,261 per month. So if it was spent the same way as this budget... Uh, it would be $65 a month on transportation, which actually, if you take a bus, that seems pretty close to, to real. Uh, $228 a month on education. Uh, my student loan payments are a little, I think they're $265 a month, so that's not too far off. $293 a month on health care. Um, I think my health insurance is $350 a month. Minus, over, minus about $500. Yeah, and then uh, $945 a month just on like random bills, like lots of little small things. Yeah. And then $130 a month on housing and $1,597 a month defending your home. <laughs> I love the idea of... I, like, with like a grenade launcher... <laughs> Defending my one-bedroom apartment. <laughs> Do not intrude. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it seems a little high. Yeah, seems I mean, I have high. had really shitty neighbors before, but... Well, maybe you could look into <laughs> Nothing that I... I don't think a grenade launcher would have done anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting you say that, because uh, that's kind of what we're learning with our U.S. military budget. Uh, we're, we're spending money on the, the metaphorical grenade launchers, but it's not doing much it'd be like a, yeah like a, is that the term a bazooka for a bazooka like, a bazooka for my yeah. one shitty neighbor yeah who doesn't eat well now they don't live there anymore but see and you did it without a bazooka 
No, my, uh, I think my landlord had to pay them to leave. Money, money. <laughs> yeah, it was just money to get them just, yeah. el- elsewhere, get them set up <laughs> in a nicer place elsewhere. Okay, well, today we are talking about the U.S. military budget. Uh, the Defense Department is currently asking Congress for $715 billion in its fiscal 2022 budget, which is an increase of about $10 billion from what was allocated in 2021. And Biden's budget proposal seeks $753 billion overall for national defense, which includes that $715 billion for the Defense Department specifically, um, a 2% uptick over the prior year, but also like random things in other budgets just go to support our like military. For example, like the energy department, most of that money actually goes, I guess, to keeping the nuclear weapons from launching spontaneously, which is... That is actually terrifying. Like, my mom is a is a boomer, and she would talk about when she was young, like, her fear all the time was just being nuked. Yeah. Like, all the time. And she's like, yeah, we would have drills in schools where we'd get under our desk in case, you know, Russia armed, a, you know, launched a nuke. And I was like, what? Like, and I'm like, wait, should I have that fear now? Is that, is that a fear I should have now? Well, maybe listen to uh, some of the budget breakdown and you can let me know what you think. Oh my God. Okay. So defense spending is over 10% of our total federal spending and nearly half of all discretionary spending, which is the share of the U.S. federal budget that's decided upon by Congress through the annual appropriations process every year. While our military and defense spending takes up $753 billion total of the budget, divided up between things like uh, the defense portion and the thing I said, like the energy cost to maintain our arsenal of nuclear weapons, the 2022 uh, budget proposal includes by comparison just $133.7 billion for healthcare, which is only 17% of the military budget, $102.8 billion for education, which is 13% of the military budget, $68.7 billion for housing, which is just 9% of the military budget, $25.6 billion for transportation, just 3% of the military budget, and only $11.2 billion for environmental protection, just 1% of the military budget. So this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we cannot have nice things, yes. Uh, unless you think a bunch of like broken uh like airplanes are are nice thing because we got a lot of those which it seems like there is always something where like we created a 10 billion dollar airplane and it doesn't work oh yeah i got a lot of examples of those coming up and it's like (laughs) huh so okay so maybe what you're thinking is like well maybe this is normal maybe other countries also spend most of their discretionary budget on a big gun too which is how i summarize the defense spending big (laughs) gun just one big just one big gun (laughs) Um, you know, people like you were talking about, like the threat of the Russia nuclear attack. Um, I feel like we've been in this de facto Cold War with China. And now we're hearing like vague threats of like Chinese military intervention of some kind that we need to be prepared for. Uh, but last year, the U.S. spent $778 billion total on defense spending. And it is actually an astronomically high number compared to other countries. It's so massive, in fact, that if you added up the total defense budgets by dollar of the next 10 highest spending countries in the world combined, which is China, India, Russia, the U.K., Saudi Arabia, Germany, France, Japan, South Korea, and Italy, it would still be billions of dollars less than what the U.S. spent on military last year. Wow. So if all 10 of those countries wanted to come together and really get us all at once, we'd still beat them probably with the budget we have. 
And I don't know how what? realistic you know that's what? It's, is. it's just the thing, though, like, where it's, like, we'd still probably... I, I mean, th- these are just very hypothetical, like, action movie scenarios. Yes, yes. Nicolas Cage. This is a Nicolas Cage scenario, but even in the Nicolas Cage scenario, with all that money, I'd probably be like, oh, we still might lose. <laughs> Just like the bureaucracy. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Or just like, you know, how things have gone militarily for the U.S. And I don't know, the past, you know, since after World War II. We don't have a good track record. And and the funding is apparently not, you're right, it's not synonymous with success based on how things have been heading. Yes. Um, So we do spend more than three times as much, though, as the next highest country, China. And we spend uh, ten times as much as Russia. So... That, the tying into your mother's fear of the, the Russian nuclear threat, <laughs> that's where we rank in terms of spending. And the top 10 countries with the highest quality of life, which are uh, Denmark, Switzerland, Finland, Australia, Netherlands, Austria, Iceland, New Zealand, Germany, and Estonia, uh, don't even register on the list of top military spenders because, surprise, big gun doesn't make you happier. <laughs> Although it would look really sick on an action movie cover with Nicolas Cage. Uh, As a product of GDP, Denmark, for example, spends just 1.2% annually on the military. Finland, 1.9%. Australia, 1.8%. Germany, 1.3%. New Zealand, 1.5%. Switzerland, 0.73%. In 2019, the U.S., by comparison, spent 3.4% of our total GDP on military expenses, with taxpayers paying a total of $13.34 trillion on the U.S. US military from 2000 to 2019. Uh, So, today we're going to talk about what they do with that money. Oh, (laughs) goody. According to Scientific American, quote, if the Pentagon were a private corporation, gross mismanagement would have forced it into bankruptcy years ago. Dysfunctional internal controls, aided and abetted by years of lax congressional administration oversight, have enabled it to waste tens of billions of dollars annually, and the last 20 years are littered with a parade of overpriced, botched, and bungled projects. Yeah, it seems like that is is <laughs> the, the case. case. Big gun doesn't work so well. Big gun. Big gun broken. Do you remember that one thing, like, in, like... This would have been when we were very young, but it was like Star Wars, how they were going to shoot lasers from space. And they actually called it Star Wars after the movie because they're like, we're going to be able to shoot down all these missiles from space with, I think, lasers or some sort of space gun. No. And surprise, surprise, naming something after a sci- like planning an actual military program after a sci-fi movie. Did not work. It did not work. That's shocking. It's because Nicolas Cage wasn't involved. <laughs> it's Nicolas, we need Nicolas we Cage. We need Nicolas Cage now more than ever. <laughs> um, so the main place we actually do throw away money in the military is on bogus wonky equipment that doesn't quite work right. Uh, I thought of this like we're like the Microsoft of combat, you know? <laughs> Just blue screens of death every time you try to use something. Oh my gosh. Uh, so some of these bungled projects include $46 billion worth of ineffective weaponry, like the Future Combat Systems Program, which is a system of high-tech vehicles networked together, but it actually just never operated correctly. Oh, oh my gosh. Side note, I think this is true that... <laughs> 
There was a military um, plan to see if they could use dolphins as weapons. Yes, I've heard of this. I think this was real. We, we got to fact check that later because I've also heard this. Uh, they're just trying everything. They're, they're like, yeah, they're throwing stuff at the wall. Arm the dolphins. Sticks. Yeah. The, okay, the Comanche helicopter they spent 22 years trying to develop before scrapping it. Completely. And there's a 40-ton artillery gun. So this is big gun. We literally found it, and it never even got to the prototype stage. Oh, dang. For reference, these few canceled projects alone cost more than the entire Environmental Protection Agency's budget over the last five years. Hmm. Yeah. Not, why am I not surprised? <laughs> no, not surprised. And more bungled projects are still going on today. Over the last 17 years, the Army has spent $22.9 billion on an attempt to build a tank. And they've made three prototypes, all of which were flawed. And we're still nowhere near making it work. So that's just $23 billion I wasted. I wonder what the justification for... Because I think sometimes they're like, well, you know, it provides doing these like helicopters or whatever. Like it provides jobs to the helicopter engineers, the people who put it together. We need this for jobs. And I'm like, well, how many helicopter engineers and arms companies are there? I'm glad you mentioned that because there's around five arms companies. And... um the military actually statistically is not good at providing jobs. In 2011, the University of Massachusetts released a study by economists that showed that defense spending is the worst way the U.S. government could spend money to create jobs. This, okay, you know how, this, this reminds me, you know how like they're always like, we can't get rid of coal because of the coal miners' jobs. Yes. And I looked this up in the, like, or I heard this somewhere, in the United States, there are more people whose job it is to be, um, a professional social media influencer than there are coal miners. Yeah. Like there are more people with who make their living off of YouTube. That's, I mean, it makes sense because we do, we spend a lot of money to maintain these old jobs and dying industries rather than re-diverting that money into infrastructure expenses that could actually um, like be better for the community on the whole or like jobs training. And I feel like a lot of those, this is kind of a tangent, but think about how many of those issues could go away if we just had universal basic income. Exactly. It would all be, it would be a non-issue. Um, but yeah, if we spent the same amount of money on the military that we spent on infrastructure, healthcare, or literally any other area of purview that the government has, we would create twice as many jobs for every dollar spent. I'm not surprised. Yeah. So that is like an argument people use a lot. Um, but actually all that spending does is serve to make around five CEOs a lot richer of these <laughs> private defense military kind of companies, which I'll explain uh, shortly. Um, okay, so we still have all of these bungled projects going on today, which I mentioned, like with the $23 billion tank that doesn't work. Um, and we spent more than two times the EPA's annual budget on that one tank alone, by the way. The Pentagon has also wasted more than $67 billion since the late 90s on a ballistic missile defense system that has never been demonstrated to work in a real world situation, which could be the thing you were maybe talking about. Maybe that is the Star Wars maybe thing. Maybe it's our Space War thing, yes. Um, and for, for reference, that amount of money is nearly identical to our current annual housing budget. There's also the F-35 Joint Strike Fighter, which is expected to cost $1.5 trillion over its lifespan. Oh, that hurt listening to that. <laughs> I know. That hurt me. Or the equivalent of an entire year of our discretionary budget in total. Oh. Uh, they've currently built 490 of them over the past 20 years. 
They are all plagued by dozens of serious flaws and nearly 900 software defects. They are so wonky, in fact, that roughly half of them were grounded in 2017 and 18 for repairs and maintenance. And despite that, the Pentagon is planning to buy 2,400 more. Oh, so this is why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. And uh, it's almost just like, you know, not to be like conspiratorial or cynical. I'm like, is is this on purpose? I think it's on purpose. I do. I think it's on purpose. Um, I think I have some info later, too, that will explain the ways it's on purpose. So in addition, we've got this $22 billion Zumwalt destroyer, which props to the name. It's a pretty good name. Uh, but it has been described as a warship with no purpose. <laughs> it is, again. That's cool. Yeah, That's it's, anarchy. It's, it's, like, it's like in Triple X. <laughs> like, you know how the, the, like, the group that's trying to descri- destroy the world is Anarchy 99? And they yes. just... All the, and you're like, well, what's your goal? And they're like, chaos. That's like, the well, Zumwalt what, destroyer. What are you going to do? Anarchy. <laughs> <laughs> Destroy stuff. The Zumwalt destroyer is maybe a conscientious <laughs> objector. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe. Um, and the Zumwalt destroyer, uh, the cost of developing that guy was, again, two times the annual EPA budget, which is the Environmental Protection Agency. There's a thing also called the literal combat ship, uh, which costs $30 billion to develop and is virtually unusable. The Navy doesn't even try. Oh. Uh, that one was more than our annual transportation budget. Oh my God. I know. <laughs> I'm laughing out of pain. Like it's like when you're on a roller coaster and you're scared and you laugh. Yeah. And uh, the Air Force also has this $43 billion KC-46 refueling tanker which uh, actually has like no improvement over the one they were already using. And that one was the equivalent of over one third of our total education budget. And then there's Lockheed Martin's C-130 Hercules aircraft, which the company hypes up to no end uh, by saying, quote, there is no aircraft in aviation history that can match the flexibility, versatility, and relevance of the C-130J Super Hercules, which kind of sounds just like a men's razor commercial to me. (laughs) (laughs) So we've used these things for 40 years. We even gifted four of them to the Afghan Air Force using Pentagon money. And when the Afghan Air Force got them, they were just kind of like, what the fuck is this junk? Uh, Apparently, because according to Special Inspector for Afghan Reconstruction General John Sopko, the planes are rarely used at all due to lack of training, no spare parts available, and heavy maintenance constantly required. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> but they're good enough for us apparently it's like when people when like someone gets like the huge like hummer and like doesn't realize yes. like it just breaks down all, all the, time. the time or like a you know like like a delorean or something <laughs> i also love this is the thing i've heard you say before it's like we're spending all this money on like tank flying gun but like the real threat is actually probably like digital technology oh yeah like hacking and like like facebook ads like it literally is like like it's like hackers it's hacking the like the the planet is being hacked the planet it's like all all that shit that went down with like uh what was it the gas that pumps that got hacked like the city of i think baltimore got hacked all these hospital systems got hacked and were being held for ransom like with the hackers being like we're not giving you back your data until unless you pay us and it's like that to me seems more dangerous than some thing that you shoot out of the air like it's like a i mean obviously not more dangerous but like more of a threat like more of a pressing threat anyway yeah it's like for us here anyway it's kind of strange like all the things that we 
think are dangerous, like that we should think about where you're just like bears, people with guns, like where it's like the, the real threat is like driving to work in a car. Um, you know, like, um, heart disease. Yes. Heart disease major. (laughs) That's like the top cause of death for most people. It's just all this like stuff that's like kind of banal, Right, it's but not we, it's exciting. Not, it's not boom. It's not boom, boom, shoot 'em up. Yeah, style. Well, that's interesting too, though, because I think this like idea that like we need big gun, big tank, because that's like the threat. I think it's like that outdated kind of action movie thinking mm-hmm. that you know we're like we got the cowboy Pentagon, you know, trying to shoot all the threats, and it's like okay, for sure, you can't shoot like a uh, hacking code though you can't shoot code you can't yeah, do that and we need something more sophisticated for that i think than what these people are doing if we're gonna have a defense agency yeah if and, you're the department of it you know maybe and, defend and i think a lot of security i mean i wish i had this you know the sources pulled up in front of me but to me it seems like a lot of like when i hear people talk about security threats and they're like actually like what's a security like what's a security threat to the united states it's like lack of housing, lack of resources, like racism, like systemic in the system, like all these things that fuck up our daily lives. Those are the actual real threat, but they're not, they're, they're kind of banal. It's like, you know, they talk about like the banality of evil. The banality of evil. It's true. Um, so, okay. In addition to all these failed big gun, we also have this issue of general mismanagement and poor oversight in the defense department. So in January 2015, a federal advisory panel found that the Pentagon could save $125 billion over the next five years by just streamlining administrative issues, which is more than two times the annual budget of the Environmental Protection Agency in that same time period. One retired Air Force auditor once described an incident where someone tried to order five of something and accidentally typed in 999,000 like it was a machine default or something. It was a $3.9 trillion mistake. He was the only person who caught it before it went out. And he said, you know, yeah, the Air Force we will catch a trillion dollar mistake. But, quote, if it had been a billion, it probably would have gone through. Because what he was so used fuck? to seeing errors of this kind. I mean, it's like one thing on your card. You're like, oh, 30 cents. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But, uh, he oh also God. described poor accounting resulting in a loss of $20 billion worth of inventory in his time working. Oh. And the Pentagon itself has admitted to losing track of 478 buildings and nine Black Hawk helicopters oh valued my. at $21 million each. Oh, you can't see this, but I'm like grabbing my <laughs> chest because I remember working a job where I had to order, order furniture for offices. And one time I made like a $5,000 like mistake and I was like, I'm going to be fired. Uh, well, you would not be fired if you worked for the Air Force. I get a promotion. Really You'd get a, they'd be fine with this. <laughs> they'd be like amazing. Yeah. They'd be like, tack on some extra uh, zeros at the end of that. You just made like my buddy who owns the company a lot richer. They're like, go buy yourself something nice. Yes. Uh, in the 80s and 90s, people stumbled upon records showing the military paying, uh, among other things, $640 for a toilet seat. $436 for a hammer, uh, and even now this continues, uh, $10,000 a piece for 3D printed airborne toilet seat covers. Oh my gosh, this is like the meme, the Arrested Development meme, where the mom is like, how much could a banana cost? $15? Yes, <laughs> this is our military. Oh, uh, They spent $56,000 on 25 cups. 
just drinking cups, like a cup you drink out of. Um, they were $1,280 each because their last coffee cups, which were $693 each, the handles broke too easily. So they instead... This sounds like something is going, I mean, kind of going on to it me. It is, it is. And I will explain uh, what in a little bit. So $5,474 uh, was once also spent on a motor rotor, which is fun to say, that should have cost $654. And $71 was once spent for a pin that should have cost less than a nickel. And the Defense Department regularly fails audits for reasons like this all the time. One audit cost U.S. taxpayers alone $400 million. And at the end of it, they couldn't pass or fail the Pentagon because the records were too incomplete for them to be able to tell what was even going on. Reports from the Inspector General's Office of Iraq and Afghanistan also estimate that the U.S. military lost $60 billion to waste and fraud in Iraq and billions more in wasted equipment that they literally literally just burned or left behind after the withdrawal of forces. Yeah, I did read a story where they're like, yep, like a billion dollars just went missing and we don't know why. And I, in my mind, it's some like, like action movie thing where they're like doing a heist of a billion dollars. But I'm like, in real life, it was probably just like, Oh, like we could type in another number in our account and they have no, they have no clue. Yeah. Like it's like a office space or something. Yes. It totally. Yes. It's the banality of not evil of getting paid. Of getting- <laughs> the banality of getting paid. Uh, according to William Hartung, the Center for International Policies, Arms and Security Project director, quote, in Iraq and Afghanistan, there was a huge waste fraud and abuse on the part of companies like Halliburton and others. These companies were able to get away with it in the fog of war because there wasn't enough scrutiny into what they were doing. In some cases, billions of dollars went missing. Contractors were overcharging for everything from simple tasks like doing laundry for the troops and providing meals to building shoddy facilities for schools and things like water and electricity. End quote. Hartung also explained that there's a cost plus contracting system in the U.S. military in which the government reimburses contract contractor expenses and tax on a commission as profit, which is what you're talking about. Something's going on, the incentive to overcharge. So according to Hartung, quote, the more work contractors do, the more profit they get, even if their work is inefficient. It basically says if you spend a billion dollars building a weapon system, you'll get a 10% profit or $100 million. Essentially for contractors, you do better if you are wasteful, end quote. Oh my gosh, this is like the producers, you know, that yes, musical? Yes, they want it to fail. They want it to fail so they make more money. Yes, the Halliburton CEO, uh, in the midst of all of this, I thought this was pertinent information, reported $22.3 million in pay for the year 2020 alone. Uh, so that would be his personal paycheck and apparently inflating costs to charge the U.S. military, uh, which comes from U.S. Tax- taxpayer money, is good business. Defense companies also push for contracts to sell their products to the U.S. military by lobbying the government in the form of campaign contributions, which helps push for higher budgets and more contract spending. And I would guess, although I didn't look this up specifically, more military action. It's, you know, the the military industrial complex, right? Yeah. The private military industry is now the eighth largest lobbying sector in the nation with companies like Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Honeywell International, and Northrop Grumman spending over $100 million annually just on lobbying the government. And I However, feel like, oh, so sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. However, in 2016, the Defense Department gave over $300 billion in defense contracts to those companies. Oh, well... I just remember, you know, when Bush was president being like, well, isn't Cheney, like, didn't he used to be like the head of Halliburton? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of crossover between these defense it's companies like the, and the government. Yeah, they're one and the same. That's the say. It's like they're not. They're they're in office. They're lobbying. It's like, is there any difference? You like, know, this is really interesting because sometimes um, when I have seen people critique like billionaires online, uh, you'll sometimes see people push back and say, "Well, why is it the billionaire's fault? The government should be regulating more. It's not. It's not the person with the money's fault." And it's weird having to explain to people that in the United States, the rich and the government are the same mm -hmm. because we have this thing called lobbying where you can literally pay government officials through campaign contributions, whatever, to try to push forward your agenda. And if politicians want to be reelected, they need big budget a lot of the time and they're highly susceptible to this. So we kind of live in a place where you cannot separate the two. And that's like a great example. They're so interchangeable that they'll often be in office, be not in office, be CEOs for these companies and go back and forth. Yeah, it's it's uh... so there's also this thing where we actually pay uh, to maintain unused military bases because people where these military bases are the Congress people, they don't want the military base to close because they think it will translate into it looking like they've lost jobs for their communities, even though, as we know, the military is not great at creating jobs, actually. So under the Budget Act of 2013, any future military base closings were fully blocked meaning we pay $500 million per year just to maintain unused military bases alone. Mm -hmm. And my favorite example of mismanagement uh, is this one. During the Iraq war, the US sent over $12 billion in cash to Iraq in order to help with a transition effort. They thought that the cash would be used to pay local authorities, contractors, mosques, informants, um, but, during this time, no one accounted for any of the money, and nobody knows where it went. Oh. They effectively lost $12 billion Holy in cash. Shit. According to a memorandum on this incident, quote, one contractor received a $2 million payment in a duffel bag stuffed with shrink-wrapped bundles of currency. Whoa. Auditors discovered that the key to a vault was kept just in someone's backpack. They also found $774,300 in cash had been stolen from one division's vault. Cash payments were made from the back of a pickup truck and cash was stored in unguarded sacks in uh, Iraqi minister's offices. One official was given $6.75 million in cash and was ordered to spend it in one week before the interim Iraqi government took control of Iraqi funds. The minutes from a May 2004 CPA meeting revealed a single disbursement of $500 million in security funding was labeled merely TBD, meaning to be determined. Oh my God. Why did that remind me of Brewster's Millions? You know where he <laughs> has to, that. he like has to spend all this money to get like a bigger inheritance. So it's <gasps> just like, so they're just like, we must spend the money, but it's just like, That's, are you, yeah, okay. are you gonna? That actually comes into this. Um, so, quote, many of the funds appear to have been lost to corruption and waste. Thousands of ghost employees were receiving paychecks um, from Iraqi ministries under the CPA's control. Some of the funds could have enriched both criminals and insurgents fighting in the United States, but nobody knows, concludes the memoranda. Which, you know, criminals, insurgents fighting the United States, whatever, that's, uh, that's a loaded phrase. But uh, it does go to show that, yeah, they, they have absolutely no idea where this money's even going. Oh, my God. And um, the thing you were talking about, about needing to spend all the money just as fast as possible, there's actually a reason that happens in the military. Uh, it's this bizarre budget greed of the Defense Department on the whole. So in 2018, the Pentagon uh, spent $61 billion in a single month, which, you know, as we remember, is a huge amount of money compared to what other agencies are getting. It's like the same as like the, uh, what is it, the transportation or, or department or something. Um, so... 
they did this and it's because there's this thing called the use it or lose it approach to budgeting that happens uh, within like these government agencies. So basically, if you have money left over at the end of the fiscal year, if you don't spend it, it's justification for you to get less of a budget next year, um, which instead of acknowledging that maybe you didn't need the budget and it could have gone somewhere else, they just have this like budget greed where they're like, no, 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 we want the big budget again next year. So they try to spend it all as fast as possible to use it as justification to ask for even more the following year. So this has been going on for who knows how many years, which is why the budget just keeps growing, 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 growing. Uh, in one month alone, the Pentagon spent $9,341 on a single chair. Uh, and before you get excited and think maybe it was like a top secret chair with missile launchers in the arms or something. <laughs> the Nicholas Cage The Nicholas Cage chair. Uh, I regret to inform you, it was just a fancy Wexford leather club chair. Um, the Pentagon also spent $2.3 million on lobster in this time period. Oh my goodness. And none of this translates obviously into great pay or conditions for the average service person. Just the higher ups, entry level military workers actually earn less than minimum wage when you look at their uh, income adjusted for hourly work. And they often live in abysmal conditions with 43% of army barracks assessed in one sitting failing to meet adequate standards. So then the question remains with all of this wasted money, where could it be going instead? Um, and the answer is a lot of places. The cost of free college for all in the US would be approximately $40 billion per year. Uh, housing the homeless, HUD estimates we could end homelessness in the US with an additional $20, uh, $20 billion per year, which makes sense. We currently have 553,742 unhoused people in the US that have been documented. Uh, that would provide a budget of $36,117 per person per year to apply to permanent housing solutions or an equivalent of rent or mortgage payment of $3,009.75 per month per person, which doesn't even take into account families. There are nearly 60,000 uh, unhoused families in the US who would share a home, which would be even more of a budget. Uh, we could also use it towards ending hunger. It's estimated that hunger in the US could be solved with an additional annual budget of $25 billion per year. So that all means with a reduction in the military budget of just 11.2% annually, we could fully fund all of these things, free college, uh, ending homelessness and ending hunger in the United States. That makes me feel physically upset. Like yeah. it makes me like have heart, like it just, I feel this like ball in my chest where it's like, okay, so this is why we are like, we can't have nice things. Like this is, I mean, for me myself, I'd be like, oh, like I could not have student loans. Or your like, exorbitant monthly um, healthcare costs, even. Yeah, like, and like, oh, I just, for so many people, this would change their lives forever. Like, forever. it would change everybody's lives, like, and I just, if, it's, <laughs> like, the equivalent of, like, some chairs and some fucking mugs for, like, someone's life to be so much better, to be housed, to have healthcare, to have, like, yes. It, it makes me so angry that like I can't, it's hard for me to express. No, it's infuriating. It's infuriating and it's also upsetting because it's like our, our government's co constantly gaslighting us by being like, there's no money for that. There's no budget for that. There's no money for that. And then you look at other countries and they're like, you guys have more money than us and we have all these things. So, you know, why, why do you guys not have free college? Why do you have so many homeless people? Like, why do you have so much hunger? And sometimes I talk to people online and they'll literally ask like, what do your tax dollars do? I don't understand. And the only thing I tell them is, oh, we got big gun. That's all we got because it's true. That's all we got. Big gun. It doesn't work. And we spend all of our money on that instead of these things that actually 
help our citizenry. And like you said, you know, this whole idea of like Department of Defense, what are you supposed to be doing? You're supposed to be doing like health and safety, keeping us safe and healthy. And none of that is actually accomplishing that goal. Whereas things like free college, housing, ending hunger, these are things that actually do keep people safe and happy. These are things we need in our community, not, you know, these wild deals with Halliburton where you overcharge by billions of dollars for some plane we're not even going to use so that one guy who's the CEO of Halliburton can post a lot of profits and take a big bonus at the end of the year. Like that doesn't help us be safe and healthy at all. Yeah. And I, it's just like, it just walls, it just, I feel like it's like, it just walls off society for like the rich and powerful. And to me, it's almost like, uh, it's like almost like, um, on purpose. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely by design. I think, um, there's also this interesting thing about like healthcare and how it ties into this, you know? Um, so according to scientific American pre pandemic, the United States quote had been spending an estimated $3.6 trillion annually on healthcare, which is nearly twice as much as the average OECD country as a share of its economy, but less than 3% of that spending goes to public health and prevention. The U S has a lower life expectancy and higher suicide rate than 10 other wealthy countries, including Australia, Canada, France, Germany, and the United kingdom. Americans also have the highest rates of diabetes, hypertension, and heart and lung disease. So it is true that single-payer healthcare will cost us $32 trillion over the next 10 years or $3.2 trillion per year. But, you know, we currently pay $3.6 trillion total when looking at taxes, federal spending, individual payments combined, which means that single-payer healthcare actually saves us as a country money overall. But currently, only around $1.2 trillion of healthcare is spent by the federal government, meaning we need to find a way to translate the additional $2 trillion annually from consumer independent spending, like just the average Americans, to federal spending. So even though this would save Americans $400 billion total out-of-pocket every year, or around $1,219 per year out-of-pocket per person, Everyone hates the idea of translating that into a tax, even if it would ultimately be less money at the end of the year net when it's all said and done. So that remaining $2 trillion could actually be heavily subsidized by cutting back on military budget and reallocating some of those funds towards single-payer health care, again, which would actually keep us safe and healthy, creating even more annual savings for the average American out-of-pocket on top of that $1,219 a year that just switching over to a single-payer system would save us. Yeah, it's like, it's like, I think I've said this before, like, you know how, like, ending, like, oh, or, like, giving houses to everybody, like, actually saves money. Yes. Because people who don't have housing, they're more likely to use emergency services. Right. Or be, like, end up in the um, justice. Prison you know, pipeline. Yeah. And then we spend Where money it's like, housing them in prisons, which yeah. is $30,000 a year is, of taxpayer money. Yeah, it's, like, so much more to put someone in prison. Like, I, I remember when I was, like, or, like, thinking about like how much does it cost for someone to be in prison versus college it's more expensive to put someone in prison than to pay for them to be in college or pay yes. for an apartment how and like even if you are one of those like i'm a fiscal conservative and you're not even thinking about it's the right thing to do if you're a fiscal conservative it saves you money doing the right thing saves you money it like, does so we to both me, win so to me it's like this is not about saving money it's not about betterment it's about punishing people for some weird abstract idea right. that runs through the fabric of American society that it's like this this punishment aspect is like your your worth is tied to your work and if you're not a good worker if you're not in this way that's like in modern capitalist society if it's not in like a weird like Reagan-esque way then it's like 
what's your worth. What's your worth? What's your value? Yeah. So it's no, just it's like. True. Yeah. It's just. Uh, I, it's very cowboy. All of it is it, very yeah, cowboy. I mean, it's like, it's just like we're basing our society off a pretend Nicolas Cage movie. And we I'm, are. I'm yeah. kind of being like serious. It's no, like, it's true. We are basing our society off a possible action movie plot where it's like we need tanks and guns for this threat and we're gonna like explode them and like we're gonna shit's gonna go down it's gonna get violent but then it's all gonna be good it's like that's not how life works right like Like nothing's exploding now in where we live in our country but why isn't life good yeah it's like it's not yeah it's like it i i this is probably something that someone who is smarter than me has explored like this i this idea of like the american government is run like a pretend action movie it really is it is um and one of the things that i think about is like even if like how you we were talking about like even if you're fiscally conservative it's the right thing to do even if you still want a military budget and you're like i want it to be big bigger than the other guys if we were to make it just two times the next largest in the world, which was China's coming in at $178.6 billion, if we doubled that and even rounded it up to $400 billion for good measure, it would give us an extra $353 billion per year to spend on all of these things that would actually help our country. Um, but instead, we just have a bunch of $10,000 toilet seats and big gun that don't work. Yeah. And that's it. So this like whole system to me kind of seems like a system that protects the very few wealthiest people. It funnels money up to the most, uh, you know, powerful corporations who are run by a few very elite. To me, it's like a way to keep the power in an elite few while really dragging resources from everybody else. It seems really classic, you know, classist, even like borderline like eugenics to me. Yeah, and I think, like, a really interesting thing about that is that the idea of our military is that, like, these brave people go out and they protect the weak. But then you, like, look at how our society operates and it's like, do we actually care about protecting the weak anywhere in society? Like, at all? Like, as you were saying earlier, so much emphasis is placed on your value as a worker and your productivity, which is completely ableist and, like, very based in eugenics. And the way our society actually operates, it seems like what they're communicating to us is they do not care if the weak die because the weak deserve to die because they have failed at capitalism. But then the myth of our military kind of masks that with this idea that, like, not only do we care about protecting the weak, which we don't, but we're going to do it, you know, we're going to fight tooth and nail to do it on your behalf, which doesn't really happen. And all these military actions abroad that we're so immersed in that we're dumping so much money in, it doesn't protect people in the United States and it doesn't protect people in the rest of the world. Like if you look at the war on terror, for example, and how many innocent civilians were killed, it was millions, millions globally of innocent civilians were killed in the US military response to the war on terror. Not to mention like tons of millions of people were displaced, their lives were ruined. And I think a lot of it just goes into like what how we think of as a culture safety and well-being what we think of yeah and it's just like it's not about being safe it's about control it's this idea that like through violence we uh, you know might makes right it's like this Anne randian idea where it's like the survival of the fittest and that's not how society that's not how we work like we're a social species like most people will say that, you know, people who study like systems or, you know, how people get together will be like, people thrive off cooperation. They don't thrive off violence. Like 
coercing people, like using violence as a way of control is not beneficial. And the military using big gun, you know, ex, you know, using violence to do all this is a, is, is a way of keeping the status quo. It's very important, you know, for right. people in power to keep the status quo. And this is the flashiest way to do it, in my opinion. Right. And to- it's, it's ironic because it's like the people we really need defense from, like our Department of Defense, who does the average American need defense from? We need defense from these uber rich CEOs who are stealing everybody's wages, who are stealing our tax money through the form of these like weird labor contracts to serve things that like we don't even need produced, you know, to be sold to the government. And it's like, these are the people who are taking from us, taking our resources, taking our stability, taking our comfort to just line their own pockets. Like somebody's got to defend us from them. Yeah. And I mean, like we're like the real safety issue is not about guns and planes and fucking lasers. It's about like being like safety is like having enough food to eat, being able to get along with your neighbors, being educated, like feeling safe in your home, like, you know, not in the way that's like you are not, you know, afraid that you don't have enough money to pay like your rent. Right, right. That you don't live in a system of fear. I think also a thing that would make an uh, interesting full episode is how much this ties in with the police on the streets in our towns and cities. Like so much of our police system now is based off of militarized action and like like the allocation of military resources to local police is a relatively new thing that's happened. Yeah, since uh, since 9-11. Because, right. you know, I, I was watching something, I, I forget what it was, but prior to 9-11, there was more focus on like community policing. I mean, not that policing is great in any sense, but it right. was more like getting, you know, cops to know the people in their neighborhoods. And after 9-11, it was like, well, the police are an extension on the war on terror. Right. So they are basically an army within the United States. And, you know, when you have an army, that that uh, necessitates um, an enemy. And who's the enemy of the police? The people, you know? It's like when you create that mindset where it's like, oh, well, we're an army protecting people, therefore we must have an enemy. Right, and it's like the enemy abroad, abroad for our military is people of color. The enemy our police see in the streets here is people of color. It's just another way of policing the world, right? Like we send our military out with big gun and we police the world the same way we police our streets here through chaotic disorganization, through overfunding like over-resourced stations and groups of people with limited training who don't know what they're doing with no clear objectives or goals built on this weird legacy of racism and fear of the other. And that's what we see replicated in our military and in our police-like systems and both tie in with capitalism because you have a few people at the top lining their pockets based off of this fear and coercion and violence and you know even like the local police chiefs they make so much money off of this oh my god you know and then there's like um all these scandals that arise at the local level with police like chiefs like stealing money and you know these small gangs that develop in the police station like the police groups where they steal money from people's homes and they split it amongst themselves and you know it's the same thing kind of it parallels what we hear about those stories in iraq where these military people are just throwing money around and they don't know what's going on and you know it's that idea i think it just kind of seeps down in society like the u.s military you know is 
is a microcosm for maybe like our government on the whole and how oppressive and violent it is. And it is, like you said, it's the reason why we can't have nice things. We can't have the things we actually need because we're too busy fighting an imaginary threat that isn't really there. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, If you'd like to follow us on Patreon for $2 a month, uh, you can receive a link to a place where you can leave us voice messages, which we will be answering in the form of a Patreon-only episode coming up. So be sure to do that if you've got an extra two bucks a month you want to throw our way and you've got burning questions about the world you want our input on. Um, And if you don't want to spend $2 a month, that is totally fine too. Thanks for being here.